Lucky Land slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Welcome to Starfield Universe On Call. I am Paul Franz, owner of Franz Games. I've been SFB Online, FedCom Online, and Starfleet Warlord. Just a reminder, Hannah, join us. We have podcast every Thursday, Thursday night starting at 9.30 p.m. Eastern Time. You can either call on the phone, just dial 564-605-562-0444. Just follow the directions. The call ID is 17702. Or you can participate on the web. Just go to the TalkShoe website at www.talkshoe.com. And you search for call ID 17702 or SFU on call or Starfleet Universe on call. You'll find this. And, of course, if you want the best online experience, what you can do is you can go to twitch.tv. Yes, I said twitch.tv. So go to twitch.tv slash SFU on call, and you will find this there. You'll be able to join the wonderful chat room and be part of that wonderful audience there. Just remember. Okay. Um, and of course, you need to contact me for any reason. My email address is sfuoncall at gmail.com. It's sfuoncall at gmail.com. Also, if you want to contact me via Twitter or X or whatever they're calling it this week, you can find me over at sfuoncall or Paul Franz, P A U F R A N Z, or Franz Games, F-R-A-N-Z-G-A-M-E-S, and there's no T in either one of those Franzes. And, of course, some quick news from A to B this week. Um, Steve Patrick was working on the one um, Master Starship book and also a little bit of the Module R6 to, to have it moved to ebook form. Gene was having a little issue with the scanner, so, the, so that got delayed a little bit. Um Patrick is now on NABOX because he had a massive infection and they so he's not, not allowed to work until that infection is gone. He's on you know, antibiotics, so he'll be good. He'll be good. Just, he has to rest and take it easy for a bit. So those both those things will will get back to, to you know back on, on, on the on the on the road and keep and go forward. And of course, this week in found on the online store is FNE Tactical Operations 2021. It's currently $45, and that's for, for the hard copy of this book. And the Tactical Operations has more ships and rules for the Federation Empire with all the crunchiness that you've, you've come to expect. The X Maulers, for when you absolutely positively need to destroy something. Need leaders? Now you have war cruiser leaders and war destroyer leaders being raided. Oh, block them with your new light gunboat tenders. Style fortresses will protect those vulnerable areas. And there are shipyard functions to provide efficient ways to manage your construction schedule. Now there are flexible command points to aid your admirals. 
Moving on forward to the uh, SFB Online Tournament, you know, the Sapphire Star 15 Tournament. We still have one. We have one slot available, possibly two. Depends upon the, the one person who signed up. They signed up. Problem is, they haven't paid yet. You need to pay. Sorry. That's part of the deal. Is this Sapphire Star Tournament is a 10, is a paid for tournament? It costs you $10. Now, all you have to do is win one game and you get that $10 back. But I would definitely um, sign up for that. I'm waiting a little while longer if by midweek or sometime next week. Um, it's not filled, I will then put my hand into the ring and play then. When it comes to library report, sorry, no no, no updates on either the SFB or the FedCom libraries. Both of those have remained the same, and uh, I'll apologize. I've not got around to the SFB library, which I should have gotten to by this point. I've been focusing on other things, mainly Starfleet Warlord stuff. So, so with that, that is the news for this week. Man, it's me, the one all Apollo fans welcoming you to Starfleet the Universe on call. And tonight, we've got Doug. Say hi, Doug. Hi, Doug. And we have Jeff. Say how you doing, Good Jeff? Good evening, everyone. And last and certainly not least, we have Barry. How you doing, Barry? Hey, I'm doing fabulous. How are you doing? Good, good. My my O's just wrapped up, sealed up, and put the bet baby to bed. They are now the AL East champions. So awesome. Congrats. So they actually they get the first day off. Um in that's which is gonna be next Tuesday is the first day of the postseason, which reminds me of probably sometime in the next few days, I have to go order on YouTube TV. So, because I don't have actual regular TV, I ordered YouTube TV during the next month to pay so I can watch all of the um, baseball games, the playoffs. Because unfortunately, MLTV does not have the rights to all of the um, all baseball team, all baseball team. Um, uh, all the games. All the games. Because because that's it seemed uh, who was it? Such a confusing patchwork of rights there. Yeah, well that's that the problem is the rights belong to the TV station or TV networks and depends upon who you're talking to. Um and there, you know MLB my understanding is like MLB is trying to get all those rights slowly one at a time. So basically we can have it so we don't have blackouts when it comes to streaming anymore. And because that, that's one thing I found out, I think that the NFL, I don't think they have a stream package. It's all through the the TV networks. So mm, I think they do. No. Well, I, mean, I just I, don't. Not interested enough to go find it. Yeah, I. Th- I because one they have they have a streaming, but it's for outside the country. Yeah. 
Now that has to do probably with the rights associated and tied up with the NFL Sunday ticket that was a staple of DirecTV for many years. Yeah, it's now bought yeah. by YouTube TV. Yeah. And I think it's being served by Amazon Prime. <laughs> it's crazy. Oh, Amazon Prime's Amazon only has, I think, the Thursday night games. Um, and the YouTube TV, I think they, they I forget what they have. They they bought the rights to something I forget what. I think, I'm, to be honest, it's it. I think that it, I no, I can't remember. Whether it's, I think it might be Sunday night games. They bought it, you know, um, got it out of from um, ESPN. I think it's weird, but anyhow. Um, so what were we talking about right before we start? Oh, yeah, that guy's a service alligator that he got turned away with in Philly. <laughs> oh, uh, did you see the picture? A service alligator, what? Yes, yeah, 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 yeah it was uh, okay. a big news right. item. I know I'm from the south, but we got to do a better job of hurting Florida man back down south. Yeah, well, this is this is Pennsylvania man. And uh, this guy actually lives in like Jonestown, Pennsylvania, which not too far from where I'm at. And uh, actually, Paul's closer to that. Yeah, I think. And uh, yeah, this guy has like a four or five foot alligator on a leash that he somehow got registered as an emotional support pet because, you know, nothing says love and cuddliness like a six foot freaking alligator. Uh, And and he's like, and he showed up to the uh, to the Phillies game, the opener for the uh, the Philly Pittsburgh series, and he's like, they turned his ass away. He's like, but it's my support why. alligator. <laughs> well, the picture alone is like worth a thousand words because the guy looks like smarmy in it. And it's like I just swear the man must be trolling like the world, <laughs> doing a good job, doing a good job of it. <laughs> so. So yeah, he has the uh, Gorn representation in Philly, but it was rejected by, uh, sadly, the you know staff at the uh, whatever it is Verizon Park, whatever I don't know what the heck it is. Oh, now. Those those but, evil speciesists. Exactly. <laughs> Just because it will kill you and eat you doesn't mean it's bad. Ah. <laughs> <sighs> uh. Oh, in a more perfect universe, you would be invited over for the shoemaking and barbecue time. True. Yeah. But anyhow. Side of the belts. Yep. 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 Um, yeah. The main topic for this evening was going to be the was going to be the main topic last week, and that went out the window. Um, then. And for patient patience zero, I think it is is his handle on YouTube. Don't worry, <laughs> Gary's not going to be here. Oh, well. He, so what is the topic? Yeah, he he doesn't like uh, Gary's voice. I, I or, or I'm, I'm not I'm not sure what it is. He just says and then just went okay, fine, whatever. You know, he's not gonna he's not gonna he's gonna skip that one. I don't care. I actually love when when Gary comes comes on and 
especially because of his historical background. He knows so much about the SFU history, you know, the history of, of the different empires and so forth. And I, I really think that gives a greater sense of context when it comes to the game itself, because in some, in, in some cases, I think it's really important to know the context of how the history basically was, was laid out and how things are in that history. You know, because, come on, I, come on let's, let's be honest here. Um, ADB did their best to try to keep on selling product. The problem is there's a point where you have too many ships. You know, and at, at that point, what happened? Yeah. What happened? It's they, saturation. Saturation, and they, they started being people kept on calling them cookie cutter. Well, that actually comes out of a particular thing that, and that's not a, that's not really a background issue. That's well, more no, no, of no. a general war thing, right? And exactly. but it was also a design philosophy that they had during that time when they were publishing a lot of stuff about the general war and that was their main main thing in their captain's logs and the design philosophy was well if we make this for one race we have to make it for all of them they all get a version of whatever right which in a sense is literally nearly the opposite of what the core original game was where oh, yeah. you have the romulans are so freaking different to the federation or the klingons and the klingons are so radically different from the gorns and the tholians and mm -hmm. yeah and the any are kind of similar to the klingons especially if you get them both in the same room and tell them that um yeah but it's like there was such a, a massive uniqueness i mean you get into like when they they added the hydrons in they added the andromedans in right and the the issue that you get at this point when they go and they do this whole additional design around the general war which ties in with fedcom or not fedcom i'm sorry uh, federation commander um no no i'm sorry federation no, no. And empire yes yeah when it ties in with that a lot is the only one that almost gets away from the cookie cutter thing is you know not the win but the um the isc but they're designed from whole scratch from having the game in existence for quite some time already but the cookie one of the other cutter issues thing, you're talking uh, about that plays right into this is the fact that uh, they tried to turn around and fit the role of individual ships into a set box if you will Everybody has a frigate. Everybody has a destroyer. Right. Everybody has a cruiser, a battle cruiser, a dreadnought, battleship. And the thing is, is that with the Kazenti, or the Zenti, the Federation, and to a lesser extent, the Gorn and the ISC, all of these things fit congruently around. The Klingons do too, but they don't call them the usual things. Right. And then you have the Hydrants, which just throw everything out. And when you turn around and you're not looking at Starfleet battles, but Federation and Empire, which works on a different metric, you end up almost needing 
a cheat sheet where you can turn around and look up, okay, this this vessel, uh, the, the, the Hydran Lord Paladin is their what? Oh, it's equivalent to their heavy dreadnought or, or so forth. And forgive me, I'm probably a little off base on that. I'm not up to speed on the Hydrans all that much. But the thing is, is that you've got what uh, Hellbore armed cruiser, a disrupt or a, uh, a fusion beam cruiser, and then you've got an actual dedicated cruiser carrier, which is one more cruiser hull than just about everybody else. And they've got instead of having cruiser names, they've got names. Right. They've got class names, mm-hmm. and it just it's just another one of those points that it turns around and it makes it so much more difficult to try and turn around and standardize, for lack of a better way to put it, the, the typical fleet roles that people from other kinds of naval wargaming will expect. Agreed. Yep. Agreed. It also adds a lot of the unique flavor to the game. Though. It does. Oh, yeah. Does. Oh, oh, yeah. And that and I I agree with Doug that I, I think that was a bad thing overall when that occurred. You know, and I, and then we had the whole expansion and number of of ships that each empire had, which was I think absolutely insane. Because that's uh, not the, to mention, yeah, th- this oh, is yeah, your war cruiser right. variant twenty seven. Yeah, it, it's gotten to the point now where you've got you, you've got uh, so many little gotchas spread over so many different products that sometimes it's hard to keep up. Like, for example, what product do our work boats in? You know, that- it's, I think it's, I think it's K2, but then again, K2 has been on the uh, horizon for right. years. Oh, that's why um, they have the master annexes too. And that helps to a degree. But the thing is, is that there, there's another aspect of that. It's like, okay, all right, I have to, I have to have all the, Okay, I can find the SSDs out of Captain's Log. I can find some of the rules out of the Master Rulebook. And then for the R section notes on the individual hulls in question, you've got to get the appropriate R, R section product. Either the R, the, uh, the, the R book, which is, <laughs> have, they've been lagging on getting mm-hmm. those up to date and published digitally. But the thing is, is that it's like at a certain point, even if you buy the Master Starship books, that's not going to help you out necessarily. You have to turn around and you have to have a huge binder of all the R books just to find out the one little trick because apparently most people seem to like the odd stuff instead of the bread and butter ships. What people like is being able to have mastery and control over something. And a lot of times you make the mistake, the mistake that the gimmick thing is the thing. But yeah yeah it's 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 just a, it's and it's endemic to how they've run the game so there's that i have i ha- i have on more than one occasion thought about uh encouraging pleading outright begging uh that when they come up with the battle force 550 for 56 captain's log 56 they put product restrictions on the force you can only use something that appears in basic, advanced, um, or the uh, or the C module that introduces the the empire in question. So that it's more likely that people who don't have a quote unquote full set will be able to 
to find uh, find themselves able to to play the scenario. Or they could publish them with the scenario. Yeah, that's true. Yeah, well, uh, that that would save a lot of effort. Well, to me, the, the biggest issue right now with, with, the, with the double nickel is, of course, the um, ba- battle force for the FedCom, which was. Uh, <laughs> who did, well, who did they get matched, matched up with a Klingon with with fighters, which aren't even released yeah. yet. So it's like, and you're supposed to come up tactics against fighters in FedCom, where we have no T bombs. We have, we, we don't have some of the nice little toys that make it easier to, to deal with with fighters, at least for Andromedans anyway. Really? Yeah, yeah. It was it was kind of a nasty this is, trick. This is where you you look at them and you say, okay. <laughs> but well, you've okay. got enough, you know, as I recall, you've got enough uh, TR beams and Phaser twos in the group that you put together, if memory mm-hmm. serves. Yep. That you could basically ignore the fighters, scream right on in at, at reasonably high speed, and um, pretty much turn the carrier into toast, and just keep going. <laughs> yeah, because that was one thing I, I calculated the whole idea of my my fleet at that point was just to have the maximum number of PA panels. Yep. On it. Cuz the 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 vipe the um the really small ships I picked I think they were the vipers. Yeah, in fact they were the vipers. Only had one TR um light on them. But they had four um phaser 2s. So phasers they had great number when it comes to TR beams, not not many, but they had the same amount of PA panels that the Cobras did, which is four and three. Four in the front, three in the back. But I got more ships. So and overall, I got more defensive ability than if I took a, lar- a smaller number of Cobras. So I was like, mm-hmm. you know, I think I think I, that, that can be good. And actually, I took one Cobra, which was... That was the um, the one with the DizDev device with it, and I, I took uh, one. Um, not the Python, the. Um... Not the Python. It was uh, the CBR, the reconnaissance on um, Cobra. Is what it was. This is oh. the only satellite ship, I mean, a, I mean, really small satellite ship, that actually has a displacement device, which is okay. Which is crazy, but hey, it works. I, I wasn't sure if I was going to need it or not, because I didn't know what the we didn't they didn't tell us what the what the battle was going to be. You know, right? Well, so, that's that's the that's the usual thing with with the, with the Battle Force Five Fifty is that you put together a force blind, and then you end up seeing exactly how bad you get <clears throat> messed over by the scenario, like. And my force is that I put together a pirate raiding force that was really well put together, I thought. And I've only got two ships of dedicated labs and one probe launcher. And it's an information gathering scenario where the other guy is using um, fleet ships. And every one of them has a probe launcher. And every one of them has dedicated labs. (laughs) 
Yeah. Real good. Yeah, that's 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 no good. It's no bueno. Mm. Yeah. Uh, okay. Do so we like get to the topic? Or yeah. Oh, yeah. Well, which brings brings us actually uh, a way to carry this over to the actual topic for this evening is that um, one thing I was I was going to mention is that of course with, with the whole number of ships that got added later on when it comes to Starfleet Warlord, um, people oh always want to have more ships added to Starfleet Warlord. Here's the problem. With Starfleet Warlord, you you're you're representing for the most part, you've got two two numbers, your offensive potential and your defensive potential. That's it. You, you still have you know shields and hit points, and um then you can have other things like you can actually have T bombs, you can have PFs, and you can have fighters on ships. But so, but it's much more massively abstracted. And massively abstracted. So, what? Then you have two probably ships. Probably not as much as uh, Federation and Empire does, but right. Yeah, my, that was my next suggestion. Is like, have you considered going to that level of abstraction? No. But it's because that's yeah. the way Starfleet Warlord was was built, um, and I I believe more in what what how Starfleet Warlord has set up with the actual expendables, you know, the T-bombs, the, the PFs, the, the fighters, um, actually added part of it. Um, and also shields, hit points, things like that, that also take a um, an important role in the actual rules. But mm-hmm. the, the big thing there is that with the, those all those variants, all those little tweaks here and there, you if, if I represent every single ship, some things that are in Starfleet Warlord would be nullified. And that is that one of the things with Starfleet Warlord is that if you purchase a ship, let's say you purchase a CA, and if I allowed someone also to purchase like a CA plus, they might have a one, um, let's say they might have a one um, attack factor difference. Because mm-hmm. a plus, well, it, it can access more firepower. But the difference is so little. But normally, when you if you purchase two of the same ship, you have a penalty. You get ten percent penalty for buying the second, a second co- another ship of the exactly the same type. So now you've gotten rid of that ten percent penalty. And so why just, did they put the penalty in it in the first place? I don't know. Ask Bruce Graw. He's the original designer of this game. Now, are Probably you just to basically... keep somebody from turning around and, and buying one Dreadnought and 400 frigates. Yeah, because there is no control. There's no command and control with mm-hmm. the fleets. This mob rules. Right. So, But you could have that if you adapted a little bit of the um, Fed and Empire way of looking at it with the command ratings and all that that they have right so, 
it would, prob- it would probably require too much of an overhaul to be just something simple. And and every single person who plays it now would be very pissed off and say, this is not Starfleet Warlord, and I'd have to agree. Because um, it wouldn't be. You nerfed my special favorite scenario busting twerp uh, that I spent years working out. How dare you nerf my fun? That's what you would hear. I want my plus one back. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> Oh, oh! Don't don't get me started on some of the, some players I've I've interacted with, which is they have the unfortunate question to ask: How can this occur? And I go, I don't know, but it, it is a possibility. It's a possibility. The num- the roles are such that it actually can happen. Case in point: a a, a less strong force. Can actually beat a stronger force. It, it, it is possible. Likely? Eh. Possible? Yes. So, you know, and then people go, well, how, how, how did my fleet get destroyed by, by this stronger force? Well, it's because the rolls came out that way. It is random about how much damage each, you know, each of the attacking units gives. You know, so anyhow, to get into what the plan for tonight was, and I'm, this this might be a part one of part two because of I'm not I've not actually gone through this, um, but I've not done a test run, uh, which so this is I am not sure how long this will take me to explain it, which is Starfleet Warlord. I'm starting with a very basic beginner's game. It's, it's I call it a learner's game. Even though I marked it as a T game, which is a, a T games or test games. It's small, very small universe. You have three sectors by three sectors. You have the one sector in the middle. So there's nine sectors in total. And in sector, what's what's called one sector one one is the center sector because the the first sector, the upper left-hand corner is zero, one, right? Yeah. Okay, that's right. No, sorry, that's zero, zero. Next one over on the first row is one, zero. And next one over is three, zero. Next line be um one sorry zero one then one one then one two uh, sorry two one because it's x is the first number y is the second number so what I, I've shown on the screen is a very basically it is the default build for a for a game, which is purchase a one warp gate, one police cruiser, one free trader, one I forget the volume PR is something. Then we have um, civilian light, uh, a small freighter. Then we have a hydrant scout, a, um, a LDR police scout. 
Then we have um, a Win AMS. I forget what that is. Then we have Orion Slaver and a Klingon E3. That's that's the by default. That's gets deemed a good beginning round. Now this is starts with Y164. Now AMS. That sounds like an auxiliary minesweeper. That might be yeah, it. Probably. Um. Yes, I'm going to go to sleep now. Okay. <laughs> yeah, that's fine. Good night, Barry. Yeah, good night. Barry. Good night, Barry. Good night. So, just like Effany, Starfleet Warlord basically has the ships that are available for purchase by per year. They have a beginning year, which they are now available for you to purchase. Now, real quick uh, background of Starfleet Warlord when it comes to setting, as they say, setting the scene. And that is, the um, Starfleet Warlord is in the greater metallurgic cloud. This is way back, this is, well, way in the future. Um, it's, uh, I it's things supposed to be like Y20. Why 2030? I think it is something like that. And what you can do, what you're doing is you're a corporation who wants to exploit the um the, the greater Magellan cloud by you know gathering resources, um, including you know people, dilithium crystals, and the like, and ore. Um, and you're you want to build up your corporation. And one way you obviously you need to purchase ships, and ships are actually delivered. They're not you don't make them at bases. You have them delivered. Now, there's only home office you can deliver your ships to your home office, which is basically it's a planet or whatever. It's a what's called a major site located in your home sector, and then, and you can have the ships delivered there. Or if you purchase warp, ga warp gates, which is what, I, what I'm doing as part of my initial orders, and actually, um, I'm pretty sure I, I set this up as a standard game, which means that it also will be, um, I think it should also give me a second um, warp gate by default. And, and the idea of that is so that you can actually have ships delivered away from your home office. So you don't have to have everything delivered to your home office and then have your the ships go fan out from your home office. Yeah, the beginning build starts at your home office. But, you know, later on, after you, you get... Well, Sukes, excuse me. Um, after you have the start, the warp gates, you know, bought and delivered to home office, you know, and you can actually buy them later on too. But then you can move those to to either farther away in your home sector or into other other home other sectors around you. The idea being is that you can deliver them closer to where you need them to be, because usually the first goal of the game is to capture your local sector, meaning um, go and get you know and actually take control 
of every single of the major sites. After you take control of all the major sites, they're like planets, gas giants, um, What's Planets, Gas Giants? There's, there's a bunch of them. I can't remember all off the top of my head. I haven't played it enough to, to have them memorized yet. Um, and after you do that, then you get a, a Hunter Eep bonus. And um, the big surprise, the ships are purchased using Eeps. Now, the each one of these plants produces certain resources, whether it's people or dilithium crystals or ore or something else there's a fourth and i always forget what the fourth is but you need all four of those to create an eep so if you have like let's say you have 50 people you have 40 or you have 100 dilithium crystals and you've got 10 of the last one which i keep i forget that means you only have 10 eeps now, there are certain orders that, that you can do later on, which you actually can exchange. Um, like, you have a lot of dilithium crystals, but I need more of the, of the other thing. Okay, fine. You can you can, you can can give, try to give 90 of it, like, let's, I mean, let's say 50 of the lithium crystals, to have, so you can have, like, 60, but it won't be 60 because it's also part of that... Um, Chris, he has a DOS app, and also you can. There's a there's a Java-based um, um, graphical app, and I'm, I'll get to that. What you're seeing on screen right now, you're seeing what's called the Starfleet Warlord Engine. So I'm just, I'm starting it here because of we have to start with the beginning and the initial build. But you know you can actually later on um, do an exchange, and that costs you. I think it's. There's a, a, I think it's worth 10 or 20% tax on converting between the different kind of resources. And you, and in the normal game, you only can do it once every four, four turns. So at the moment, here, so here's the orders. I, I already told you what those were for the, the only thing you can do on the first initial build is purchase ships. That's the only thing that you're going to be doing the first turn. So, okay, here I'm going to execute that order and da, 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 da. good there's mine and we get and say we're going to turn anyway yes and there so now i run the turn now i want let me show you the results oops wrong one boop, boop. thank you um and that's going to be let me go here I'm going to, I'm just, this is stuff that you guys, most people don't see. And that is what I do to have it so that the turns look nice and pretty. Because the original um, game has, um, basically you print them out. And what, what the actual, the output of, the engine end are those printed turns meant for like a dot matrix printer. So there, let's go run that. Prints out the maps and so forth. Okay, like this. I'm, I'm going to do, I'm going to 
do this and copy it here. Now, this, these are, are different things. Let me bring up orders. What happens is that you when you get your turn, you'll get these three different PDFs. And also give you a text file. The text file is actually also used for the actual email itself. So in here, you'll, you'll see that, okay, we got two warp gates because I was already given one to start off the game. And then here's all the ones I purchased. And each unit has a different speed. Warp gates can move twice a turn. When it comes to the, the police, that can move one, two, three, four, five every turn. And then, of course, the fat, the free trader can move six. So it's it's very fast, so it can move very often. Then down here, you have what's called extra orders. Extra orders are like one of those things, that, of course, is purchase ships. You also can buy different things. You can buy drones. You can buy fighters. You can buy PFs. Now, obviously, just like Starfleet Battles, PFs aren't available until, a, until Y1... I want to say Y184, but I'm pretty sure it's Y180 is when they're made available for actually... Interceptors come in at 180 and PFs proper come in at 84. Okay. Um, I'm, I'm just forgetting if, if the Starfleet Warlord, if it allows you to picture, purchase them as a Y180 and then, um, then uh, um, assign them to a ship at that at that point or not, I forget. Um your names are obviously automatically generated for them. Some of these are are some of the, the original playtesters for Starfleet Warlord. Um, I'm, I'm willing to bet Christine was one. Masterson was probably another one. Um, Gandalfi, possibly another one. Um, I don't know theirs, but I, I heard from one of the... The original play testers, um, Roger Reardon, who actually he, his his, I think his his name is actually in here for one of the ships, because each kind of ship would get its own name assigned to it by default, and then it would be like, in the case the police, it's it's Federation police, so it's F Pol P O L dash one, which is number one, and it's called Master dash one, so. It does that now. If you want to see what the report is, do, 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 do. you see the report. This is this is what a normal report would be. It spits out at the very top your financials. I started with a thousand eeps to start the game. I got a hundred eeps from my home office. That by default, everybody's home office generates 100 EEPs. So my new total is 1,100. So I start off, I actually kind of start off the game with not 1,000, but 1,100. And that after that, and since before that, I have normally it would give all, you know, it would, it would tell you, okay, if you move your ships, it would say, okay, you ran over this territory. Or if um, you prospected a planet, because that's one way to actually gather up EEPs, is prospecting 
different sites in you know in your sector. In this case, okay, then we got you know and this is run down okay, you know, purchase um, a warp gate that's for two hundred eams. You bought a civilian warp gate um, CWG two mobile warp gate two. Keeps on going, okay, and this right and okay the sound here like for 60 apes you bought a gwyn auxiliary minesweeper you know w you know which which people were correct there was an auxiliary minesweeper and what was that other one i was oh the pr Estonian repair corvette okay and so after the end at the post game i've actually at the end of this turn, I've got 379 eeps flat, and I got a number of legendary officers. I got one wet legendary weapons, one legendary engineer, one legendary navigation, one uh, I forget what the D is. I think a legendary oh. science officer, a legendary marine, and uh, LA, I forget what LA is. And so forth, and then, and then you get a, you get a scanning report here. Yes, kitty. Um, which this is what in text form, the the different sites in the terrain scan, and then you'll get a little announcement from Galactics, and so forth down here. Um, a reminder of things. <laughs> and then. Um, and I'll show you. Doo, doo, doo. Uh, and what I'll show you is also the sector map, because every time you um scan either, every time you scare the terrain, because at the beginning of the game you always get a, a terrain scan of your home home sector. Now. Ooh. When you go on to the the really bad thing is that when you go on to the next sector over, you're blind. You don't know what's in. Currently, I don't know what is in like 0104 over here. I don't know what's in um, 1602 over here. So I can, if I go, when I go blindly into the next sector over, I'm hoping that I don't run into something that will, will kill my sh my ship. Now, for this one, uh, da, 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 I need to give me a sec here. And my home office is 17, is 0711. So right here, DP, here's where I'm, I'm starting. Now, for the next turn, what, I, what I'm going to want to do is I'm actually going to move. And to to move, I would, I, let me see. I've got a couple you know, a repair planet here, an RP is a repair planet with an asteroid field. They got empty space because because what, what these things mean when you have it's basically point terrain plus area terrain. The point terrain can be like a planet. In the case of ES means empty space. Um, here's a dual planet right here with empty space, which is wonderful. That means it won't kill you. Uh, repair plant empty space. That's also very nice because what repair plants do is they refill your your repair points for your repair ships. Down here, 
this is the heat zone, um, which is not that bad. Actually, I've got pretty good uh, number of. I got I got good terrain here, really good terrain. Um, the only ones that can be kind of nasty, you gotta be careful of, is here, the OM. OM means old minefield. Um, the only thing they really can go through a minefield is a minesweeper. So <laughs> you got to be careful about that because otherwise you get blown up. Um, and I'm actually fortunate in that I have no net. Actually, nebulas are overall pretty okay. You got um, uh, okay, the heat zones, and there's another one, which is RZ. I forget what that is. Radiation zone. Yeah, radiation zone. Thank you. Here's here's a CO, which is a comet. Another comet up here, you know. So and that's what a map would look like. Now, oops, I forgot to do one thing. Dun, 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 excuse me. Which I forgot to do one thing. Which is brings up. Bump, bump, bump. There. I have to I forgot to actually generate the um the turn uh i need to fix this uh, i have one thing I, i've not i've not fixed and i really should have fixed by now which is boom Never mind the, the the man behind the curtain. <laughs> well, Jeff and I could talk about you know Tholians while you day. I was just thinking what? how how could we how how could we vocalize the Tholian equivalent of the Jeopardy thing? <laughs> yeah. Ah. I got that wrong. That's supposed to be quote, quote, quote. That's supposed to be a single quote right there. That, and then let's do this. Boom. Okay. Now, this. I start that. T04. This. Oops. T04. There. Now zip it up. Now, if I go over to. Uh, All I need to do is go open. Huh? I could have sworn. Maybe I could put it someplace else. No, I didn't put it there. Where did I put it? Well, come on. Go sworn, or did I spell it differently? Oh, I bet you I, I spelled it differently. If I have to, I'll, I'll, I will. Nope. 
Okay, well, guess what, folks? Somehow I lost it. Okay, welcome me... to retro gaming. <laughs> <laughs> and go here. Da, 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 da. I feel so retro. <laughs> Semi nostalgic y there. Okay, come on. I'm hoping this works. Come on. Why did it? I can't believe it shouldn't take this long. Hey, Paul. Yes. Command space and start typing the file name. Well, the problem is here. Is what the freak, man? I'm. This is slow as all get out. Hundred and hundred kilobytes per second. Good grief. So, um, is this the Amiga version? <laughs> <laughs> Oh, I know. This is the Commodore 64 version, and they're having to read it off of a 1541. <laughs> oh, crap. Okay, well, unfortunately, I don't have time to, to do this. So what, what I'm going to do is actually I'm going to pause it here um, because this is going to take way longer, and I could have sworn on a stack of Bibles. That I actually had it installed, which it might have been installed, and it's it got when I upgraded yesterday, it got removed. I'm not sure why, but it's possible it got removed because it is kind of old. I haven't I haven't um, re I have not signed it with the latest certificate of mine, which is something I probably should do is is work work on that. But I'm I'm just. I'm just shocked that it is just, I mean, this is ridiculously slow. It should not be this slow. So, mm -hmm. the, that is the beginning of it. You know, the, um, okay, don't mind, don't mind this. Okay, goodbye. Sorry, that... Microsoft said, oh, you want to update Microsoft Word and, and Excel right now? No. <laughs> and let's, let's not get started on yeah. that at the moment because at the moment, it's broken. I.e., I can't update it. Every time I update it, it throws an error and I have no clue what the what the cause is. Where? You know, it yeah. doesn't, sh doesn't show me an error that makes sense. It just says update error. Does it give you a number you can look up? Nope. No number, no nothing. That's see, that's the frustrating part. Wow. It doesn't, doesn't give me any indication. Oh, there was a permission problem. There was, you know, not enough space on the drive, which can uh, that cannot be possible. Um you know, or so forth. You know, it's I understand. Maybe it's it, corrupted. That's possible. There's one thing I have not tried doing and I really don't want to do it, which is um registry. No. The uh, Macs don't have registries, um, oh. which is delete the uh, like Microsoft Word. 
The other possibility is actually doing something which, if I swear, I swear on, I will just kill it. What? Which is one of those things I do for my Mac is I never run as administrator. I know oh. that could that could be a pain for me, cause but it also makes me feel at least a, a little more protected in case I do something really dumb. But I won't give full control to my machine to somebody if I happen to click on something stupid. You know. Okay. So um, it's possible that it it requires you to be an administrator to install things. Normally, you don't. Normally, they have a way of getting around that using like helper. You probably just you probably just nailed the problem right there. So yeah, which means I have to log out of at least not. But switch. don't forget that obsolescence is also a possibility too. Which one? Exactly. Well, the thing is, I'm using Office 365, so I always and I've, I'm you know I pay my hundred and some dollar bill every single every single year to have a subscription to Microsoft Office. Number one, number two, this is a, a MacBook Pro M1 which I just bought last year. So neither one are uh, obsolete. So no, I thought you were talking about the Starfleet Warlord game. Starfleet Warlord game, yeah, is is kind of old. I agree there, but it's just like Starfleet Battles, it's kind of old too. But they have fans of it, and people like to play, and definitely people like to play Starfleet Warlord. The um, and I'm hoping to show so how off. How does and, Office three sixty five play into this? Well, the only way is is because well, no, because it, um, unfortunately you weren't looking, and the check updates thing came up from Microsoft Office. So those wow, oh, and it's just kind of it said here I need to do stuff now. Yep. Yeah. So, but gotcha. Okay, and and Jeff is back. Somehow we lost Hi, Jeff. Oh, wait, wait, he he doesn't have his microphone yet. As soon as he plugs his microphone, he'll, he'll he we lost him again. Oh man! Anyhow, I'm going to wait just for a moment to see if Jeff will come back, and hopefully have a microphone this time, so then we can say goodbye. Oh. As soon as you have, as soon as I can, I can Jeff. Ah, oh, there's there's your mic. There you are, Jeff. Good everybody. <laughs> hey, good evening, Jeff. How are you doing? <laughs> Long time no see. We're here. Welcome to the show. Yeah. <laughs> well, we're going to wrap up for this evening. We'll consider that as part one of a part of a two-part series on introduction to Starfleet Warlord and basically show you to people how to play Starfleet Warlord, at least the mechanics of it. Um, um, for those of you that actually are quite interested in it, even to the the, the, the awful introduction so far, um, if you are part or on Facebook, look for Starfleet Warlord. There's a Starfleet Warlord group there, and at, one thing I did is I pinned. There is a tutorial. A one it's called Starfleet Warlord One Hundred and One, and that will show you 
that gives you some tactical advice, some strategic advice, what you do and don't want to do when, when you're playing the game, um, but it doesn't show you the mechanics of it. But at the very least, you can find out a little more information that way. It's a great group of people. And if you want to, this, you know, I'd be happy to have your lovely face um, join the Starfleet Warlord group. And on Facebook, that's assuming you're on Facebook and not have abandoned it like some people. So, mm. oh, geez. Don't get me started. Yeah. Uh, Chris Newsy is mentioning the Apple II floppy drives were worse than the 1541s. I'm, the 1541s are pretty nice drives when it comes to the Commodore 1541 drives. So, I remember yeah, them. They were just bit bang. They were just bit banging and extra slow because they didn't want to buy a UART. Yeah, that was the funny part about about those those Commodore sixty four devices. They were called smart devices. Yeah. <laughs> I, yeah. I forget why they were called smart. So you could plug because and play. Slow, it. Because slow didn't make make the make the grade with the marketing folks. Yeah, but yeah, come on, that. come on. This was back in the eighties. I know. I had one. Yeah. So sp speed, speedy. There was no such thing as a really fast computer. You really, I mean, really. Okay, I will. Everything grant you was that faster the than the thing before. Was faster than the data set. And I oh, actually yeah. used cassettes for data storage, and it was a pain. <sighs> the thing is, is that um, oh when you God. actually got to a machine that had a proper. A, a, a proper data bus to send things on through the digital pipes with it was so much better. Understood. Understood. Okay. Well, Jeff, you have a good night. Good night, everybody. Doug, get well, and you have a good night. Thanks. You okay. too. So. Started a nice little tutorial. Got to talk about a little bit about different things of the Empire of Starfleet, Starfleet battles and uh, some some thoughts on the ships from of old to newer. Anyway, and some of those things in the past that we sometimes we'd rather forget. But anyhow, with that, I am Paul Franz and a bid. You, a good night. Lucky Land Casino, asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car, before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.